What's up, everybody? You are listening to Suds Buds, the show where good buds talk good suds with the wonderful workers of the beer industry. As always, I'm here in studio with the homies, uh, engineer and producer of the show, Mr. Salsa Dave, and my co-host, Dustin Stelton. What's happening, buddy? How we living? Doing all right, man. What's new with you? Uh, kind of same old, same old, man. Just uh, going through the motions, working, training, training real hard, trying new beers, getting out there, just doing my thing. We're just we're in a good, good pace right now to just get things done. I suppose is the easiest way to put it. How about the fact that we haven't recorded in like three weeks? Thank God that we had some. Episodes backlog, but as your favorite uh, stain song goes, it's been a while. while. Yeah, uh, we're yeah. back though. We're back and hopefully firing on all cylinders tonight. We got a new uh, guest lined up. Which Should be good. This is exciting one. Super exciting. Yeah. But uh, since it's been a while and we might have a little more to talk about uh, than usual, I figured we'd do something a little different. So, uh, being that we normally review three beers on the show. I decided we'd do a little Suds Buds pregame show nice. before the main event tonight. And you got one of my favorite styles of beer ever from a brewery that has been on my map for a while that I haven't been able to try from your trip in Duluth. And we'll get into that in a second, but thank you for picking this up, sir. That looks delicious. Yeah, so I've got here a uh, a sour, a strawberry rhubarb sour from Ursa Minor Brewing in Duluth, and it's called the Backyard Staple. Yummy. So, as we're known to do, let's crack open the conversation. Let's crack it open, buddy. I'm going to be very interested to see if there's lactose in that. Yeah, me too. I'm not sure what to expect. Um, I did not have a sour while I was there. Um, my girlfriend and I each enjoyed a beer. I had a Hefeweizen, and she tried, um, I think, a hazy IPA. But uh, I'm sure they are both phenomenal coming from this brewery. I've heard nothing but absolutely good things, Mercer Minor. Oh, it was very tasty. It was uh, it was really nice too. I mean, God damn it, rough pour there. Yeah, Dustin's I, having a tough time with this one. I do think. I work at a brewery? Do I pour beer ever? It's okay. He saved it. There was a good recovery there at the end. At least your glass is full. I don't even have a full glass right now. Yeah, I saw yours, and I really wanted to outdo you in the pour, but then I ended up just failing and spilling forty percent of it. <laughs> well, we've got two full glasses now, so nice tanks. Ooh. Real fruity on the nose there. That's really nice. You can tell that's strawberry. By the looks of it, it doesn't look like there's any lactose in there. I'm digging that color. It's like a, a peachy hue. Yeah, it's uh, s- salmon, as one might say, I guess. Mm-hmm, no, salmon. Wouldn't salmon be... Oh, my God, is that delicious. It's so good. Hey, I took a sip, thought it was really good, and then the lingering finish of it is just... <laughs> that is phenomenal. The nose on it's not super strong. It's almost kind of, almost kind of appley. Yeah. Strangely enough, yeah. but um, yeah. First sip, you get like this nice kind of champagne carbonation, followed yeah. by what I was hoping for—a lot of rhubarb. Like every time I've mm-hmm. tried, I shouldn't say every time, but most strawberry rhubarb beers I've tried, which I feel like is a very Minnesota flavor combination. Most of them are just super heavy on the strawberry. Yeah, and I feel like it's because rhubarb is a tough flavor to balance with anything because it's so tart and just right can be overpowering. But uh, I feel like Ursa Minor did a real nice job with this one with uh, 
Still keeping that rhubarb there. I like that. Yeah, it's it's interesting to compare this one to one of the bald man favorites, the strawberry rhubarb ale that we have. Spirit in the sky. Yeah, that's a solid beer. It is. And I mean, we don't we don't really consider that like a tart ale or a sour or anything, but there definitely is a little hit of tartness in there just because of the flavor flavors that are in there. They're just like a little naturally sour, a little bit sweeter. I agree. I mean, that one is a, a, a blonde ale, I believe. Yes. Um, yeah, cool beer. I think the first time they brewed that was uh, for breast cancer awareness, like mm-hmm. a dollar or two from every pint went towards that. So Yeah, that's super rad. We're doing that again this year, correct? I believe we are, yes. I think that's coming out in the fall. But uh, yeah, I love that beer. It's definitely more, that one's more strawberry forward, I feel like. I mean, that beer itself yeah. is, is pink, you know? Yeah. But uh, I'd say so. This is nice. This is I'm getting a a nice balance of those two flavors. It's yeah. There was a little bit of funk in the beginning that I was tasting that was throwing me off, but then I, again it was just like oh that's just the rhubarb. No, I'm a fan. Um, Ursa Minor doing good things and worth noting too. They uh, made a little recovery, had a little bounce back recently. I think they had a. I didn't even know things got rocky for them. Yeah, they actually had a fire there. Um, oh, no kidding. Yeah, at the the back of their brewing facility, so... uh, It's not great. Was it ever released as to what caused it? Just like a technical malfunction in the back, or... You know, I'm sure sure there is more info on it. I didn't... uh, Didn't pry too much. Haven't read too much into it. I saw an article a little while back and then kind of heard murmurs when I was at the tap room, but definitely not showing a lot of effects from whatever happened. Um, You know, people seem to be... Full steam ahead. Distanced and uh, uh, happily drinking on the patio. So good deal. It's good to see. You'd hate to see a good brewery like that go down over something silly, you know, just a, a mistake on somebody's end somehow. Exactly. Exactly. But yeah, it was a fun trip up there. I uh, did a little day trip up to Luth. Yeah, let's uh, get into that. That's not, that was hearing about your trip was phenomenal. It's always nice to get up there <laughs> in God's country. Oh, it was beautiful. Um, was initially planning to do some camping up there, but. With things being the way they are, I think more people are trying to take advantage of these last uh, this last month of summer. And right. campgrounds are pretty full. Um, not really any campgrounds open, and we kind of waited too late into the day to do the mm-hmm. dispersed camping thing where you yeah. hike back in. So didn't you say the plot of land that you were looking at was just overgrown and gross? And well, yeah, we we initially went and checked out Namaji, which is like. It's a really cool place. Makes me wish I had like a dirt bike or a Jeep, but it's like an yeah. off-road campground. Yeah, I know somebody who has a cabin up that way. I think it's Namaji. Or Namaji, yeah. Something like that. I mean, just search semantics. But yeah, that that's a really nice area. That's just a little bit south of Duluth, correct? Maybe like 20 miles? Yes. Yep. It was, uh, you know, starting to fill up when we were there, and most of the campsites, too, were like, they're just huge, like... Uh, turnarounds that were cleared out and like covered with clay for mm-hmm. like people to come and park their RVs and their, you know, their four by fours and stuff like that. Right. So we kind of just we stopped there looking to camp and then just realized this maybe isn't the the best spot for tent camping if there's gonna be you know loud four by fours and stuff just ripping around all the time. Right. So did you end up <clears throat> just coming back that night or did you say and get a motel? So we ended up coming back that night. Um, we just kind of decided to turn it into a day trip. So yeah, we stopped at Bent Paddle, um, stopped at Ursa Minor, got some fantastic food, went and hiked uh, up in Chester. Oh um, yeah, it's a good area to hike. Yeah, it was a lot of fun. It was a lot of fun. And that whole week was just kind of cool because 
even though it was just a day trip in Duluth, I spent a lot of, uh, I suppose it's two weeks ago now, spent a lot of it outside, you know, because mm-hmm. went and camped in Redwood Falls with some old friends that I've known yeah. since I was like four. Yeah, you were gone for just a little bit under a week, right? Or yeah, I think I took it? a full six days. Um, yeah, saw my parents and, you know, just did a lot of uh, healthy distanced activities outside outdoor stuff get you some good vitamin d yeah it was awesome yeah it's nice to have that man you got to do that and it's really nice to be able to spend it you know doing something you love drinking beer too trying out there getting some tasty foamers in you absolutely it's one of my favorite parts about going on these little road trips and adventures even if it is just like a day trip within the state right there's so many breweries out there like it's just the options are endless like it's i can always find someone that I haven't been to before even oh, if i've yeah. been there it's you know been a couple years or something so, so. Many. dude i'm still down we should really try to plan a like just like a, a solo weekend where we do something like that maybe go up north and spend the weekend in duluth and grab a couple crawlers just like you did and go hiking and do some more stuff of that because there's a lot of trails up that area i could show you that are sweet man that would be awesome if we could get like a, a three-day weekend or something here at the end of summer Oh, yeah. I'd even be willing to do, like, some real roughing it up on the North Shore, just park oh, yeah. the car and walk. But That's, yeah, that's a good time. There's, uh, Gooseberry Falls is, like, 20 to 30 minutes just north of Duluth, and that's a good time. That'd be awesome. I'm in. Yeah, hiking out there has always been fantastic. I feel like, I mean, I've just looked at the calendar today, and I saw how close we are to August already. Mm-hmm. One week, dude. We'll Summer. say the 26th. Yeah, 26th. 28th today. <laughs> yeah. yeah, 28th. Jeez. Uh, wh- where's summer gone? Well, when you spend it most of the time cooped up in quarantine and then getting back to work and working five, six days a week, it's just things go by like that. I like to think we've been making the best of it. You've been doing a lot of running and... Trying to, yeah, getting out there, being active, just filling my time. I really, I get really anxious when I'm just sitting around not I hear doing you. anything, man. But hey, any last thoughts on this uh, this sour we got here from Ursa Minor? Well, as you could see, I re-poured myself a little uh, little halfy again because this is this is phenomenal. This it's usually could, a good sign. Yeah, this could be an all day drinker. Again, I think I'm the resident sour fanatic, and uh, yeah, this this hits all the the all day drinking categories for me. Ursa Minor in Duluth, the backyard staple, mm-hmm. strawberry rhubarb sour coming in at 5.5% ABV. I was going to say, it's coming in a little higher than I would prefer for like an all-day sessionable type ale, because that's not not something I don't think you could sane, sustain all day, but yeah. You could have told it's me it was, for a while. it was four even, and Seriously. I would have believed you. Like yeah. it's, it's super light, so I do still appreciate that. Um on the five star scale, what are you thinking? Oh, I think this one's gonna be pretty obvious. I think it's sitting right at about a four point three. Four point three, nice. Oh, yeah. This is a this is a fantastic beer. I love all the fruit and the rhubarb that's going on there. Um, super drinkable, like you said, that champagne bubbly carbonation in there is perfect. Doesn't linger for too long. It's not overly tart phenomenal beer 4.3 i feel like it's hard to get a bad review out of you when you got a sour in front of you it's true it's true it's because i'm just i'm just a sour guy 
That's it could it. be like the season and stuff too. We are recording in a pretty warm room right now, but uh it could be it, yeah. We'll see how it changes come winter months. Yeah. No, it's nice. I um turn into a dark beer guy as soon as it starts getting a little colder. You are a seasonal oh, yeah. drinker that way? Yeah, definitely. Yeah. I'm a little bit I think, you know more so I just kinda drink what I like year round, but this has definitely been the summer of Hefeweizens and that's right. a style I wasn't doing a lot of in the winter. Well you're but. big into pale ales too a lot and I mean that's a beer that you can drink all year round. That's a year round for me, yeah. If I've if there's a, a twelve pack of Summit EPA in my fridge at any month of the year, I'm I'm yeah. not disappointed. Yeah. Um That's like me with uh I'd probably I mean it's a hazy pale ale technically, so I'm going probably Pompeii. Or even Golden Ooh. Nugget on something like that. You Good know, choices. That is, I could have both of those two beers in my fridge at all times. Shout out to TG. Shout out to TG. Another one that you tried recently that I don't think we've covered on the podcast. Well, no, we did. Yeah, it's coming in a future episode. The Lime Goes from Omni, right? Oh my gosh, that is so good. Yeah, that that's a that's a forever beer. Unreal, yeah. Big fan of that. I've, I've had a few beers from them lately that have really stood out i want to say i had like a maybe a double dry hop ipa not too long ago Bad. Yeah, yeah yeah it's so good i just had i cracked open another one of those the other day and it's surprising it'll creep up on you real quick you have one of those and you're starting like wow that is eight percent yeah for sure i need to pay them a visit sometime because they're one of those you know once you have enough good beers from a brewery where you've never been to the tap room and you've had enough that just consistently wow you you're finally Feels like, like you're doing like a disservice to yourself yeah, i gotta get there yeah yeah it's a, it's a really cool spot it's actually up in my hometown and it's like just like a lot of other breweries where it's kind of in like that industrial tucked away type area it's next to a bunch of like other uh not like retail stores but like business type centers so okay yeah, it's real nice they got a real real nice patio cool like lodging uh, feel inside cool i like yeah. that not the biggest tap room in the world so it can be kind of an issue to find a table at points especially if you're on a busy night because maple grove is just huge like that hey but, but i mean if it's tough finding a table it usually means they're doing something right yeah it's true keeping the doors packed man but uh i'm just about empty here from this uh this sour yeah um, what are you giving it you said a four three yeah yes, sir. oh man I wish I could say something like dramatically different from you or, you know, exciting, but uh say, don't let my rating swayed you in one way or the other. I'm I'm putting it at a four one. It's it's nice, it's it's light. Like I said, I, I really like that kind of crisp champagne carbonation that just tingles on your tongue. It's it pairs really nicely with that tartness that's really punching you in the front mm-hmm. from that rhubarb. Um right. Yeah, big fan. I'm putting this at a 4.1. Would buy again, and I'm excited to get back up to Omni with you, man. Yeah, for sure. Shout out to Ursa Minor, too. For or this. Omni. <laughs> Ursa Minor. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I'm excited to get to Omni with you, but I'm also excited to get back up to Ursa Minor and see what they oh, got. Oh, yeah. If you had to pair this with a food, what would you pair it with? Oh, man. My mind immediately went to steak. I don't know why. Steak? Maybe it's because I'm craving a steak Okay. Right now. Yeah, I can see that. This is one where, see, I was thinking dessert beer just because of the sweetness of it, but it's light enough that you could use it to wash down, you know, a pretty hearty entree. Um, Brats, burgers, out day beer, summer beer. It's a good summer beer. Any like outdoorsy grilled lunch would would pair fantastic with this. I feel like I could bring a couple crawlers of this to like a get together with a bunch of friends while you're outside playing bags. 
grilling, doing stuff like that. Like this beer on the Fourth of July would have just been prime time. Oh yeah, it's gonna be a crowd pleaser. There's yeah, I don't see what's not to like. It's just real nice and easy. Yeah. Awesome, man. Well, that'll wraps up. Uh, that wraps up our first ever pregame show. Hell yeah. I'm glad we started it off hot with a good beer, too. Absolutely. And we've got a few more to drink this evening. So uh, yeah, who do we got on the podcast tonight, Eric? Our guest tonight is Dan Herman from Falling Knife Brewery in Northeast Minneapolis. And I'm super excited to talk to Dan because uh, we actually reviewed a Falling Knife beer on our very first episode. Yep which just dropped on Spotify, iTunes, and SoundCloud this past week. Uh, yeah, super excited. Can't wait to crack open the conversation with Dan. Yeah, and I believe, right, I believe both of us gave that beer outstanding marks, correct? Uh, absolutely, because it was delicious. Yes. Yeah, and that was the first beer I'd had from them. So super excited. We've got two new ones to try tonight, and yeah, can't some, wait. Some Our com- special information about that that we'll get into in the podcast that you'll have to wait and listen for about those two beers. Absolutely. Stay tuned because our conversation with Dan Herman from Falling Knife is coming up next. All right. So we are here today with Dan Herman from Falling Knife Brewing Company uh, in Northeast Minneapolis. His title is the Chief Revenue Officer. Yep. Dan, what's going on, man? Hey, how you boys doing? Doing, doing well. pretty good. Nice. Uh, so what is the chief revenue officer? What does that title all entail? Yeah, so um, me and my two business partners, uh, Andy Rutledge and Tom Berg, we, we just kind of, it's a, it's a way for us to describe the individual roles of the, of the person um, so that there's clarity on, uh, on who does what part of it. So um, I'm in charge of like sales, marketing, PR, the tap room, um, you know, a whole, a whole world of those things. So basically anything that is the let's make money on it kind of thing uh, under me. And then Tom's the chief brewing officer. So all of the beer productions in his purview and then Andy's the the CEO. So he's got like the higher level view of all the stuff, um, operational, um, you know, pretty much anything that doesn't fall into those two specific camps, um, is underneath Andy. And then we've obviously got a team of people, you know, taproom staff, uh, brew team, um, salespeople, you know, everybody just working underneath that, but it's, it gives some clarity on, on what the role is. It's a, it's from my past life. I was in the, um, tech. So there you go. Uh, there's, there's a CRO during that usually at some point. Very cool. Well, I've got a lot of questions about kind of how falling knife came to be, but before we start, I think it's important to note that, uh, we're recording on, uh, tuesday night july the 28th and you had cans that just hit stores yeah yesterday so we, uh yeah we launched two brands in tall boys uh on monday and tuesday this week uh peter uh, atkins who's our chief or, or um, logistics manager he hustled out to 26 accounts and got a whole lot of beer onto the market and so far it's been awesome like people are tagging us on social media we've already had one account have to buy more cases because it's nice. through so fast I, I, I like I was shooting for it. I was like, come on, 24 hour rebuy. And we got one. So the, congratulations. Thank you. Yeah. People are, people are loving it. And, and we really appreciate that. We, we, um, we're grateful that people have uh, responded well to what we've done. Oh man, that's awesome. Well, we've actually got uh, two of the beers that you just released yes, here sir. with us in studio today. And 
I also want to mention, I met up with you yesterday to pick up these beers and folks over at Falling Knife couldn't have been kinder. It was an awesome facility, but also like really cool people just going in there felt felt like I wanted to stay and have a beer. It was on a little bit right. of a, a time crunch last night. Couldn't stick around in the tap room or anything for too long, but uh, you guys were very kind to us and I really appreciate that. Thank you. Yeah. I mean, hospitality is a big thing for us, for me. I've, I've done 20 years in the industry, so, um, you know, making people particularly now feel comfortable you know we i have a i'm a i'm a you know sayings kind of guy and my thing right now is like uh take a load off but leave your mask on you know i want people to come into falling knife and just be like hey i'm not thinking about anything else right now i, I feel safe here i feel spaced i feel like the staff has you know my best interest in mind here and i can just enjoy a beer for the first time in a long time um, right I, I love that. I think that's the great thing about the craft beer industry in general is when you go to when you go and you sit down at a tap room, you're going to enjoy yourself and you're going to have a good time. So it's it's rare that you'll catch somebody that's already in a shitty mood. Yeah. Everyone's already there in good spirits and they want to have a good beer. Agreed. Yeah. And right. speaking of good beer, I see you have one in your hand, Eric. I do in my hand from Falling Knife Brewing Company. I've got the Freischutz, which is a northern German style pilsner. Dry and hop forward Pilsner coming in at 5.3% alcohol. I'm excited yeah. for this. We've this been having Pilsner lately. This is the first beer we actually brewed uh, as a company, um, which people would tell you is crazy to start with a lager, but this is a, an old Tom homebrew recipe. And, you know, from a scheduling standpoint, it made sense, but it's all about, you know, managing yeast. So we, uh, we went for it to start. I love it. Why, well, quick question, why is that, why would people say that brewing one of these is weird or bad for your first beer to brew? Because um, your first brew, you're going to learn a lot about your system. Um, so, you know, it, it literally was our first brew day. We didn't do any lead up to it. We were ready if we needed to dump batches, um, but we did, we've never had to dump one yet. Um, but, you know, efficiencies could have been way off versus what we thought it was going to be um you know filing in the temps of all that kind of stuff our, our pitching rates you know we have the general knowledge of it but you know the shape of your fermenter can make a huge difference in how something ferments out so um people just don't and also it, it takes up a lot of time in the tank and generally to start you're you're trying to push beer through pretty fast but right we we had a little bit of time where we uh, had the brew house up and ready and we're building out the tap room and the rest of the facility so we were able to take a little time and get a a full brew and six week lager on it before we needed it out in the market. Awesome. Sounds like there was a plan in play. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Oh, we had plans and then, you know, they all went to hell and then we made other plans and then those yeah. ones went to hell and then we, and then we found something that worked out. So um, that's the joy of, uh, of opening a brewery. We, we say, you know, open a brewery, they say, it'll be fun. They say, and uh, a lot of times it is. And a lot of times it's, sleepless nights where you're like wow i have no idea what we're going to do about this and then we figure it out we always have so um cheers to you guys yeah here's cheers. to those plans that do work out yeah right off the bat just beautiful color oh, um yeah. you know can see like right through it crystal clear um that's nice so a northern german pilsner um just the uh you know differentiate why this one is a little bit more as it is um Tom is in a couple of bands, uh, Zebulon Pike, uh, who is currently on hiatus. And I already love that name. Yeah. Tom plays bass in that band. So, um, he, uh, 
self-evident has been has been a band of his that he's been in since i think he was like 18. um so i think they're 23 24 25 years uh, on at this point and they've toured and then you know tom fell in love with uh specifically northern german style pilsner so a little bit more dry a little bit more hot forward um than like a southern german pilsner or even like a czech pilsner which is gonna be a little bit more malt um mm. and a little bit bigger on this so super dry super drinkable and that's a a thing that you'll find in most of our beers is that we tend to run on the dry side so you can have multiples of them rather than you know i, I know you guys were trying black lotus the other time and, and you or on your guys' first dish uh, episode and it uh you know you you all talked about how you wanted only so much of it and then you were kind of done and we want people to have a couple beers and enjoy them all so yeah from a from a philosophical standpoint of beer we tend to run pretty dry if there's one thing that I've picked up from trying your other beer, your other beers, it's like they are all extremely drinkable. <laughs> oh, yeah. All of them. Like very, very much hot summer day. I could drink this all day long. Awesome. Thank you. I'm glad to hear that. You know, we, yeah. we the, the brew team's done awesome. Robbie, our head brewer, um, you know, he, he, he and Tom work hand in hand on making sure that we, we make the beer that we make and we make it good, you know. Um, from the get-go, we were kind of like, there isn't time anymore for somebody giving you six months and then a year and then all that. You have to hit the ground running because there's just so much competition out there. So we really, really put a focus on on having good beer from day one. And that's you, awesome. Yeah, and you have hit those. This is really great. This is something where it's like it's perfect for right now because it's it's not necessarily a beer that I want to um you know just just sit back and ogle over and have you know take the whole conversation but it's something mm-hmm. i want to sit back and enjoy and have compliment a conversation if that makes sense yeah. it's it's something Definitely. that it's a it's a sit back and sip rather than i don't know sitting and dive into all these nuances because it's just i don't know it, it's I don't, I don't want to say there's, there's not a lot going on, but there's nothing that jumps out at me as like offensive. And there's nothing that jumps out at me as like, uh, this is the first thing I'm picking up. It's just, uh, uh, the traditional Pilsner I know and love with a little different twist. That's new yeah. to me. So yeah, it's, it's just clean. It's yeah. clean and, and made. that's, that's how we feel about it. And that's why it's one of the first things we want to throw in cans. You know, we could have launched with two of our hazies and people would have loved it, but we, we, we represent ourselves um, well by also letting people know that we do, you know, world-class lagers and some really excellent Belgians and stuff like that, fruited sours, you know, we, um, we want people to have their first encounter with us be not just, you know, oh, this is another hazy brewery. Um, They're able to do a range of styles there. So that was, that was a specific choice. And then we're going to, of course, release a ton of hazies in the next couple months because they're great and, and I love them and, and everybody loves them. So. Yeah, I was actually just about to ask you about that. What's your thoughts been in the last, I don't know, what would you say, three or four-ish years when the hazy craze really exploded? How did that fit into your life and now fitting into your life, owning a brewery, being a part of it? Yeah, so um, Tom was actually one of the first people to do a hazy in Minneapolis. Uh, oh, he, cool. In Minnesota, he was up at uh, Wicked Work for a couple of years. Oh, yeah. Um, so Salt spot. Yeah, yeah. So when uh, when he and Kyle from Venn um, launched uh, Wicked Work, and then Kyle went on to go do the Venn thing, and then Tom is now left to come, you know, do do and own Falling Knife. But um, I'm into it, man. I, you know, there's there's a there's a world of people that just are like, oh, this is 
this is new and I don't like it. This isn't an IPA. And I'm kind of like, I don't know, does it taste good? If it tastes good, then right. I'm into it, you know? And there's a, there's a couple of times that I've had a hazy where it, they literally just didn't change their recipe and they just, un, they just said, we're not going to, you know, filter this or spin this out or any of that. We're just gonna let, but then they're like murky and gross and I, I'm not into that. And so um, Robbie, our head brewer, um, was at Surly for a number of years. And then most recently was at Fair State before he came out with us, but he released Surly's first hazy uh, in their tap room. And, you know, he's a, he's a haze wizard. And, and those, it's, it's not an IPA recipe that you don't spin out. It's a whole nother world. So I'm into it. Let's, let's add all the styles in the world and, and give more people access to other new and interesting flavors, you know, um, you know, wine, you can dial in exactly what you want in wine or whiskey, mm-hmm. you know, like very small changes, but you're, you're doing them specifically, which is good. That's I, I'm into them. Right. Yeah. I know there's well a, said. there's a camp of people out there that like to shit on with the quote unquote haze bros a little, a little bit nowadays because they like to say that hazy IPAs or anything hazy really just kind of caters to people with like a less palate than them, I guess is a better way to say that. But uh, there, there'll always be some of that though. I think yeah, it's the same goes for seltzers or sours or any style that it's made its way into the mainstream relatively mm-hmm. recently and kind of made an explosion on the market. I feel is it's always going to draw detractors, yeah. but you right. know, if, if you're liking or if you're disliking a beer just for the sake of disliking it, yeah, like that, that to me seems like an exhausting way to live. Like yeah. judge it after you've tried it and poured it into a glass and enjoyed it. I think and that's that, that the best way to do it. Segues into my thoughts about it is to me, hazy IPAs were one of those things that eased me into craft beer more than anything because i'm sure we'll touch on this with you as well dan but my first craft beer i ever had was summit saga and i hated that beer i was like oh this is like this is what an ipa tastes like this is all like skunky and piney and i'm like ah, i don't want any of that that's gross i'll stick to my my michelob and now that yeah. we've you know, accumulated well, taste and, over time and that was one of those things I, I remember you know i've been in this long enough that i remember when we started moving away from like the english style ipas uh, to the West Coast style IPAs and people were like, oh, West Coast IPAs are easy. You just throw a, a way too many hops in the kettle. And it's like, if you do that, you're going to make a pretty disgusting beer. Like West Coast IPAs, you have to dial in mm. the right amount of bitterness to it. You know, how much cocumulone you've got in that, uh, in that hop choice. Um, and then, you know, you're just dry hopping a ton of it, but you, you go too far and it just becomes this grassy, terrible, you know, it, it's so... I don't know. People are resistant to change and, and that's a problem, but also at the same time, they're not injuring anybody but themselves, you know, right. somebody's like, oh, I don't want to drink, which we'll have later a verbal tip. I'm like, okay, I mean, that sucks. Cause that beer is awesome, but um, it, it doesn't prevent me from having it. Right. Yeah. Know? It's more good beer for us. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. No, embrace the change. There's a beer for everybody, right? Yeah. I think I'm going to reload uh, a little bit slushy sours you know sometimes i've had those and it's just like oh man this is just straight root puree and then i've had other ones where it's like this cool little nuance to it where you actually do get a little bit more of the sour element too and you're like oh this is like craftsmanship right here versus just literally i could go and grab a smoothie and and call it the same thing you know so yeah with everything there's well done examples of it and there's there's terrible examples of it you know i hate bringing up this because it they're a brewery that I truly do respect, but Drecker has been notorious for doing that a couple times where they just add so much lactose to their sour beers and it's just like motor oil pouring out 
of a can and it's like yeah. ah, i i personally can't get behind that but i i understand how that could fit into somebody's palate yeah and, and I'm, there's a there's a thing that i i'm not into which is like beer snobbery right which is saying like i know better than you and right. what you like isn't right um if somebody's like my favorite beer of all time is budweiser and i know why i like budweiser and mm-hmm. i've tried the other stuff and it isn't for me i'm gonna be like cool man Next time I come over, I'll bring you a six pack of Budweiser. Who, who cares? You know, yeah. <laughs> like, again, what does it affect me if that person's like, I love, I mean, I drink a ton of hands, like probably the beer I drink the most. Hey. <laughs> I wish I could high five. This is great. I've, I've got one in here just in case I need like a, a, an in-between beer. But, um, you know, it, it's, it's, there's nothing wrong with having that be your favorite beer. I, I really, you know, I, I, we don't have to be pretentious about it. Isn't that a common thing in Minnesota for, especially for like a lot of like sanctioned like beer events or just events in general, if there's tastings, isn't there just like usually a cooler of hams just sticking around somewhere for people to chug in between craft beers? Yeah. I mean, it was, it started off in St. Paul. It's the best of the cheap shitty lagers and shitty. I mean, in like, I love it the most kind of way, but like, you know, that and Coors Banquet and PBR are the ones that people gravitate towards here. And that's awesome. It's always really funny because you know, you, you get the people, and again, I'm not talking poor on any of it, but they're like, I, I won't drink anything but, you know, smoothie sours. Uh, yeah. And then you talk to people that are like actually in the industry and everybody's like, I get done with work and I want a Pilsner mm-hmm. and, uh, and uh, you know, shot of Burnett and that's it. Like, that's my life at that point, you know? So again, just people should like what they like. I well, agree. I can tell you what I'm liking right now is this, uh, this fry shoots. This is real tasty. I had to give myself a, another little short pour of Me it as it's- well. Yeah. This is tasty. It is super dry, super easy. Um, yeah, a little, little bit, a uh, little bit bready. Yeah, uh, especially like on the nose, mm-hmm. kind of a little bit of like toast there, almost or something. But uh, I don't know. Yeah, it's an overwhelming amount of pilsner malt, um, and then I'm pretty sure it's even just 100 percent pilsner malt. So you get that little crackery kind of element to it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then the, the name comes from a, a Germanic opera. Okay, um, I was gonna ask. Yeah, so Tom, Tom Waits actually ended up making uh, an album about it called The Black Rider, but it's um, uh, it's a Germanic opera in which a guy makes a deal with the devil to get seven magic bullets, and he uh, like defends his family. So the first six are whatever he wants uh, to hit, and then the seventh is whatever the devil wants to hit. So okay. that's why on the cans um, there's like mounted mythical creatures. So he like kills a on the like the tall boy can. The, sure, sure. Uh, um, but you know, it's, uh, uh, you know, he kills a prize stag, he defends his family, all this kind of stuff with these, these six magic bullets. And then the seventh one kills his wife who he loves very much. And then in one version of it, then he like, you know, dances with her as a skeleton or and stuff like that. So, I mean, it's, it's Germanic. So of course it's like way over the top and weird, but, um, that sounds incredible. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it, 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 the black rider is a cool album. It's like him in an, uh, an orchestra just did this yeah. whole thing of it. So, so that's what, that's what the name is. Fry shoots, um, fry shoots, fry shoots. People that actually speak German tell me it's fry shoots. I call it fry shoots because I named it. So sure. Yeah. yeah. Oh, no way. This is, this is a Dan special. You named this yourself. Yeah. Yeah. No. So, so naming comes from generally me and Charles Awad uh, at Patmos Design and Identity. So like we, okay. whenever we have a beer, we sit there and we mull through names and we cover like kind of what the, the aesthetic we want for it is. So, so yeah, me and Charles, have named every one of our beers nice. and everybody always comes to us with uh with with other name ideas they're like oh you should definitely name beer this and we're like cool we'll take that under advisement and then we kind of just do what we want to do anyway so 
right. do you always stick with the theme of music or like song or no we we originally kind of had talked about some specific um themes of things and sometimes it works and sometimes it doesn't and we're not we, we aren't really wanting to pin ourselves down into it like um our big heavy beers uh were originally going to just be named after um fictional or mythical weapons so like atlantean uh which is our belgian golden strong is named That's after cool. Conan, Conan the barbarian sword um cool and then the barley wine we released in october old painless is the name of the mini gun that jesse ventura carries in <laughs> Love it. Um, so you know we, we were doing that a little bit and then it kind of became you know cumbersome and reductive for us to do that so sure. we, we expanded out and we did like shaky hands because it's an espresso um coffee cafe meal stout and you know we just released uh circle pit which is a s'more stout which so that both references the music part of what we have and then also um you know obviously a, a, a circle pit for s'mores very cool. And I don't do this very often. This is very seldom I do this, but I, th- I think this is a good time to do it because I like Falling Knife so much. If you ever wanted to name another beer after a mythical weapon, Kingslayer, Game of Thrones, yeah. Jamie Lannister's sword, it's, let's it's make on it the list. It's definitely on the list. It would just be what beer does that make sense for? Sure. Because we also do want to have, you know, tied in most of the time. Sometimes it's just kind of like, uh, this is a cool sounding word. And then we go with right. that. It, well, I'm just saying, I'm, I'm giving you that nugget for free. I guess I usually, I usually don't work. Pro Sounds bono, like they might have beat but, you to it, but uh, I like we'll save you a bottle if we go, if we end up going with it. Also, there we like, go. Uh, tangent off of beer, but is there anything that's been more culturally relevant that got wiped off the face of the earth than Game of Thrones because of how oh. terrible that last season was? Like that was the biggest thing, and nobody talks about that show anymore. Like I not am, at all. I'm saving myself the pain and not watching the last season until i finish book five i'm about halfway through of book five right now i know i don't want to be one of those snobs like oh you didn't read the book asshole but like i heard the book ending is a lot better would book five a dance with dragons i don't believe so no okay it hasn't to me that's like where you should end the series it's like dexter was cool and then there's that season with john lithgow and when that one's done you're like okay great that's the end of the show yeah Uh, let's wrap so Battle of the Bastards for me is just like, and that's it. That's the show. We're good. What is it? We just got a weird thing here saying that uh, our call is going to expire in 10 minutes, but uh, we're going to figure that out. But for now, uh, we just uh, wrapped up drinking this fry shoots here. Um, Dan, here on the show, we do a uh, five-star review. Um I don't know. Maybe in fairness, we'll start it off with us, just since you got you did have a hand in making the beer. But all right, so hold on. Let, let me do one thing on this because I was sure. listening to you guys' thing, and this is a thing that bothers me. This is a hundred percent of me thing. All sure. Right. On a five star scale, mm-hmm. people undervalue beers, in my opinion. We see okay. this with Untapped. So, and I say I'm doing this before we do this because I don't want it to be like, oh, you guys didn't rate my beers high enough, and I'm not trying to pump your guys' score on this. But you know, uh, a three and a half is a C minus. Sure. That's that's fair. I see that. I see that. So, uh, not don't do with that as you please. But that's how I like I like to think of it. There's also in, in like beer judging, you know, it's it's an out of fifty in a homebrew competition. Yep. There's two different camps of thought. One is I will never give anybody a fifty because no beer can ever be perfect, and they start from from thirteen, which is the the gentlemanly agreement of you never score anybody's beer below thirteen and build it up, or you start at fifty and you 
work your way down from there. You say, this is the reason why this isn't a 50, and this is the reason why this isn't a 49, and this is the reason why this isn't a 48. So this is just a, it's a specific pet peeve of mine around specifically untapped, yep. not even just our scores, just in general. Oh. People are like, oh, this is a two and a half. It's like, really? This is a five? This is a failing beer for a you? failing grade, yeah. Yeah, exactly. So I, I want to get that out of the way. <laughs> oh, I like you that. guys choose to anyway. But uh, it's, all, it's part of the reason why I was always going to be like, we should start with two hearted so we can talk about this, not about my beer, and I don't sound like I'm being a jerk about it. Sure. No, I, I appreciate you saying that. Um, I, I will note too, we, we came off of uh, our last episode was a fully crispy boys episode. We yeah. did all nice Pilsners. And I think this fits right in that same class oh, yeah. of beers. We, we reviewed three beers, one from Blackstack, one from Fair State and one from Modest. I think they all hit in the fours mm-hmm. and I wouldn't put this below four. So I will say that right off the get go, this was incredibly refreshing and I wanted to start the night off with something light. So, uh, mm-hmm. you know, just kind of warm up my tongue, but, uh, so what are you going with on it then? Five oh score. man, I'm, I'm hyping it up. I'm going to give it a, I'm going to say a four, four, three. I'm giving it a four, three solid score. Hey man. I got through high school on bees. I'm okay with that. <laughs> it, it, it was super light. It was really refreshing, really crisp, really dry, like, like you said, which I appreciated. There was nothing there where, you know, you can take a nice big swig of it and there's nothing that's going to linger. It's just going to be a nice, clean finish, um, refreshing, and you're going to want to dive in for more. So I would say if you can find it at a store near you, stock your fridge up with some for the summer. Thank you. This one... This one for me, the score I'm going to give it, I don't think would equate to a good letter grade because I got by college on a curve. <laughs> so, hey man, C's get degrees. I went to Arizona State. I can't, I can't see? say anything about it. There we are. I'm going to go. I mean, this is exactly what I was expecting. I think the dryness that threw me, like that, that was surprising for me, but I enjoyed it. It was like right as you had said it was dry, Dan. I think I was taking it a sip and then just hit me right there. Um, I think I'm going 4-2 on this. This is solid. I would drink this a lot, a lot, a lot. It's Maybe not as much as the Lime Kolsch because that's probably my all-time favorite beer. But- I heard that. We were super honored. I put that in our company Slack, and I was like, man, you guys got to listen to this guy about it. And also uh, – uh, for tattoos, uh, Ben DeCamp, there we go. for us, uh, he was like, I would get any of the icons on the cans as a mm-hmm. neck tattoo. And I was like, you don't get to have the first falling knife tattoo, dude. Like, <laughs> I had a plan for one where I get a black band around my thumb. And it's a very oh, love small it. tattoo. And it just is an homage to that. But uh, that's my first one. I was, we were going to have a, like a tattoo artist at our first anniversary party, just that's ready there to like knock out a tattoo on everybody's thumbs. But I don't know that we're going to be able to have a first anniversary party in October. So um, after that happens, I am open to getting any one of these little icons on here tattooed somewhere. Cause I just, I love, it's kind of got that like pin up or like, uh, what's the word? Hard, yeah. Yeah. And like, it's, you can just place it anywhere. And I think they're super rad. I love the designs on those. And it's got like an, an American traditional, but with a little bit of flair style to it. I'm digging it. Yeah, shout out to Alex who uh, who drew those. Alex works for Charles uh, at Pat Most Design. 
and there's stickers as we found out last time and when i was yeah. scratching the can mid-recording but uh yeah it's pretty cool i mean everything everything is man our, our tall boys are stickers too Oh, no way. That's awesome. Yeah, there's there's a center item. So if you look at our social media, you can see like for fray shoots, there's the the four. There's also four stickers in every four pack. Um, so we have four different designs and every four pack has all four of them. But the actual like mounted head is a, a sticker that you can pull off and, and slap on stuff. That's pretty neat. That's, That's a Charles cool. idea, too. That was one that he uh, he implemented. And we don't really know of anybody else doing it right now. It, Talk it, about it, branding it could, 101. Yeah, right. It took a lot of work to do it. It's, it's also really funny, too, because like we'll be doing social media stuff and somebody will be like um, your friend from Bald Man um, telling you guys on the podcast last or, you know, the issue, the episode that released. Um, and people are like, oh, no, holy shit. And they like run and grab the, like, the thing out of their recycling bin and pull the sticker off. And they're like, what the fuck just happened here? Uh, and then. And then uh, I've also gotten messages from friends of like seeing those stickers just like on random places around town, which is also super cool to, to, to hear. Genius marketing really is. We could start a sticker scavenger hunt somehow on Instagram. <laughs> there you go. Leading to a, a four pack of fry shoots. Yeah, we just, so we're a Pokemon gym in the tap room because the previous brewery was one and we just inherited it. Um, but we kind of joke about it, like our stickers are Pokemon. People are going to be like collecting all of them uh, along the way. So that would make them worth it too they gotta be good stickers you know we can't have bullshit designs that nobody cares about if if we're gonna be like stickers are a thing for us appreciate that that's awesome to hear yeah well dan the beer that you named yourself what are you giving it uh i mean five of course it's the you know uh, i'll uh I guess I'll more or less abstain from giving a, a five. No, don't, it. don't be shy. We don't discourage five-star reviews. We've got a couple of them this season. Oh, yeah. uh, at the end of each season, which we're hoping to do 10 episode chunks, mm-hmm. we want to hopefully have back the people that uh, uh, gave out five-star reviews in a big Zoom call and try, you know, have a bunch of industry people try each other's five-star beers. Sure. That'd be cool. I mean, so what I'll, what I'll tell us the story about, about this beer. So this is, a again, like I said, a Tom Homebrew recipe that I was like, I would pay money for this. When he was just brewing it, he and I were brewing it in his basement kind of stuff or out, out in his driveway or my driveway, whatever. Um, so when we actually like transitioned from, wouldn't it be cool to own a brewery to like, oh my God, we're actually working towards owning a brewery. Um, I was like, the Northern German Pilsner has got to be one of our beers. And we, we didn't launch with the idea of flagships. We were certainly gonna let the market tell us what they wanted rather than us saying, you know, this alt is our uh, our flagship, uh, and then be surprised. You know, Bender was what Surly thought was going to be their number one selling beer for all time, and they killed it last year. Like they don't make that beer anymore other than Coffee Bender. So we were just like, we're going to put our bench beer out, and we're going to see what people like, and then from there we'll be able to decide what we're going to throw in cans. Um, so this is a beer for me that I've just liked for the better part of ten years at this point because. I just think it's such a good representation of Pilsner and Tom makes lagers extremely well. That's awesome, man. Well, tell you what, Dan, we're going to take just a tiny little break here and then we will, uh, we'll crack open the conversation with our next beer. Sounds good. So we are back on Suds Buds with Dan Herman from Falling Knife Brewing Company. Uh, we just got done drinking the Freischutz, the the Northern German Pilsner. Really good pills. Real delicious. And uh, was it a five star we got from you, Dan? 
We can, we can go with an unofficial five star because I don't want to sound conceited. <laughs> not at all. Not at all. That just that just means you're proud of your beer, which I'd be a little concerned if you weren't. You know, tremendously so, and incredibly proud of the team that uh, that brews it. So. Yeah, and it wouldn't make sense if you uh, if you canned a shitty beer. It, it makes sense that you you put up one of your heavy hitters to begin with. So absolutely, yeah, it's something we persistently have have on in the tap room. We sold uh, through a keg of it at Grumpy's on our world tour in under three hours. So I actually had to I had to run back to the brewery. Actually, I had to have, I had to have one of the tap room staff's wives drive me back to the tap room to grab another keg to bring down those stairs to put on tap again because we weren't going to have that party stop. Right. That's awesome. That's some true service right there. I know you said you weren't married to the idea of flagships in the beginning, but you said the spear is on tap all the time now. So has this worked its way into a full timer? Like you're going to can that. Well, we're going to see how this first canning run goes. And it sounds like it's been going successful so far, but yeah. look at the data afterwards and, you know, so going. Yeah, so for right now, um, we're only having Verbal Tip be a persistent brand. We're going to be doing one rotator for a little bit here until we really feel like we have our legs underneath us, and then we can talk about more stores, uh, depending on how much sell-through we have, uh, and also potentially uh, based on how much it affects the brew house and how often we need to brew and all the canning days and things that go into it that Tom is in charge of. Um, you know, add other brands is in the, is in the plan, you know, have a, either a second rotator or take a beer that, you know, flies off the shelves and make it a persistent brand. Um, you know, we launched with two, we're not only going to do two over the long term. you know, we'll, we'll get it all together and then we'll, we'll be out there more, but we just want to make sure that we are able to do well by our partners who are the liquor stores that took us on as crawlers and then now have our cans. Um, but you know, we're going to, we're going to put more out there as we go. Right on. And do you just want to give a quick shout out to any liquor stores that come to your mind or where we can exactly find your cans now? Yeah. So we posted uh, today the list of all 26, um, but you know, there's, there's the heavy hitters elevated um, mm -hmm. Princeton's Stinson, Daniel Mays. They're right around the corner from us. Ambivalous where you guys were picking up those crawlers. Mm -hmm. um, you know, they were badgering us from day one, like, Hey, sell us crawlers. Hey, sell us crawlers. And we, oh, yeah. we never intended to sell crawlers into the market. Um, but then, we shut down our tap room and we said, holy God, we need to make some money during all of this and reached out to a couple people and we've had enough good reception to our beer that they were excited to have us. Um, so they were the first people that also got cans um, because they, you know, we view it as a partnership, right? We want to do well by them. Um, they were willing to step up in a moment where we needed them. So we were giving it them the first crack at all of our beers. And then, um, and then, you know, Everybody else, uh, South Lindale is killing it. France 44, Bill over there is doing awesome for us. So um, we're going to go a little bit more into St. Paul. Uh, we're at Ale Jail over there, but there weren't a lot of liquor stores over there that we uh, had great contacts with um, to, to do that. Well, I'm happy for you. That's awesome. It's, uh, it's exciting to hear a, a brand that hasn't quite been around for even a full year yet, just making a, a nice footprint in the local market. That's huge. Um, Definitely. But I think what I want to do is next here is take it back to kind of the very beginning of Falling Knife and what that was for you. And I feel like there's nothing more fitting than the next beer we're about to dive into. Because you kind of talked before the show about how this was uh, an old favorite of yours. Yeah. And speaking of Ale Jail, to piggyback off that name, because that's a great name, I feel as a Minnesotan, I should be in a little bit of Ale Jail right now for never having tried 
Bell's too hard. No oh, kidding. Man. Oh, this is going to be fun. Yeah. So well, th- this is, this is going to be an honest review for me as well. Well, here's the thing. The, the, your reaction to Key Club uh, in, the, in the last episode, this is like me for this. I'm excited that I get to witness this because this nice. is, you know, one of the things I've always talked to, we talked earlier about like beer snobs versus like beer enthusiasts. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I love asking people what was their path to craft beer. And I'll tell you mine. And I'd love to hear your guys's too. But, you know, you know, I started off, I was in college. I was drinking, you know, Bud Light. Bud Light was the, the, the beer that you got in, uh, at parties uh, in Arizona State. Yep. And then I was working at the Kincaid's down in Phoenix, um, you know, fine dining restaurant. There's also one here in Bloomington. I started that when I was 16. Um, so uh, across the bar from, or across the street from the Kincaid's that I worked at, we weren't allowed to drink in the bar uh, at Kincaid's after work because somebody in one of our sister restaurants got into a fist fight with a person that stiffed them uh, oh, after oh, their shit. Well, drinking there, yeah. So RUI was like, nobody in the entire business can have this anymore. Um, so there was uh, a bar that was owned by Dan Marley, uh, the Phoenix Suns player. So we would go over there and I'd be like, oh, I'm going to try this. And I tried this. So I went, you know, Bud Light to uh, Newcastle, uh, Nut Brown Ale, uh, and then Sam Adams uh, Boston Lager, which is a overhop Vienna, which is still delicious. It's like an airport beer for me. That just is like, all right. <laughs> You know, a Sam Adams and a shot of whiskey, and I am good to go. And I'm not even afraid of flying. It's just like this is a, <laughs> this is a tradition of mine. Love it. Yeah. And then Sierra Nevada Pale Ale, you know, oh. started introducing the, the hobby. That's Andy. I love that you said that. I love that beer. It's Andy's Desert Island beer. You know, I think that that's the thing here. And then this one's mine, you know. So you get into Sierra Nevada, and then you're like, oh, I'm going to up the hops just a little bit. Uh, and this is like a, a true to form classic American IPA. Uh, in the BGCP guidelines, which is like beer home home brew judging, um, okay. this, is a, this is a beer that you judge against. This is like fifty, like a, a perfect version of this is the is a fifty. So, um, and then from there it was like, oh, I have a flavor for hops, and then it was like, boom, the rest of the rest of everything became super available. And I know a bunch of the dudes uh, from Bell's locally, and then kind of around the region, and then I actually got to go to their thirtieth birthday party uh, a couple of years ago out in um Kalamazoo Comstock so this is this is like a, a just a delight for me as a beer and it always takes me home um, my wife her family's been going to a little cottage outside of Traverse City Michigan for the better part of 40 years um, at this point and this is just a beer that we go stock up on and then um and then we just drink it pretty much the entire time we're we're out in, in Michigan it's funny like That's one awesome. year one year I bought a bunch of it here and then drove it back to Michigan. Uh, I was like, well, why didn't I just get it from Michigan? So uh, cheers to you guys, man. I'm really excited to have, see how you feel about this. Cheers. Yeah, thanks. I'm really excited because when I smelt it, I was like, oh, yeah, and like picking up notes on it. And then I read the can and I was like, yes, nailed it. Yep. Let's go. We're getting better at this. Great, uh, grapefruit and dank. I mean, this is this is this is the best you're ever going to have Centennial hops be expressed. They they pretty much corner the market on Centennial hops, like the best Centennial hops to make this. And their I mean, their fermenters are the size of the entire building we're in, and they blend it back so that it ends up being like you know averaged out. And so it, it's super consistent, and they make just a god ton of this. No, it's, it's phenomenal. It's, uh, it's extremely drinkable. Absolutely. It's, it's an old favorite of mine. I think I was introduced to this one when I 
first moved to the cities when I transferred from North Dakota State to uh, Minneapolis Community and Tech College. I was working at a liquor store in Golden Valley. And this was kind of one of those beers that was like my my foray into craft beer. Because I just found that I liked um, like hoppy ales and ones that tended to be a little lower in ABV. I know this is getting up there like seven, but like uh, Dale's Pale, Summit EPA, Sierra, like those were like my big three when I started like getting into slightly hoppier beers, you know, oh, yeah. those were the ones, because you can find them anywhere. Saga is a great representation of this too, you know, clear, yep. clear IPAs. Um, they're still a thing. We just brewed a double West Coast uh, IPA today. Um, Going to come in at like 9%, but it's a it's a older, bigger sibling of of Termally Chill, which was a West Coast IPA that we launched with. Um, cool. But I, I I still love clear IPAs. You know, there's there's whole different things of it, and I, they're both they both got great places for them, um, hazies and clears. But this is a this is a beer very close to my heart. I love excuse, it. Yeah. Excuse the pun. <laughs> yeah, it's it's a hard one to dislike. I mean, there's. If you like IPAs or consider yourself an IPA person and Bell's Too Hearted just isn't jiving with you, I'm really curious, you know, if you, yeah. Because <laughs> like you said, it's kind of like a measuring stick for that category. Yeah. So we, uh, I was a part of a homebrew club called Primary Fermenters here in town. Um, I've recently upgraded my system, so it's been a little while since I've homebrewed. Um, but we did a, a thing where we were like going in because we ran the state fair homebrew competition so okay. we were like we need judges and people were like i'm intimidated by this like no like let's go meet at a bar and we can you know do a little seminar about tasting beer and and we bought uh, some bells too hearted for everybody and it was funny like the whole range of scores they were like i don't like this it's like that's really? not the of a homebrew judging You're, it doesn't matter whether or not you like it it's it's how is it technically against the style and sure. if you're like this isn't an american ipa i can't really help you like this is an american ipa this is if you read through the guidelines this is exactly what it should taste like if it is excellent and fresh and has been treated well and the can i bought at least from um lake wine spirits earlier today 100 percent hits the spot how important do you think it is for people like yourself that are involved in the higher ups of a brewery to be involved with home brewing and to have the fundamental knowledge of how these things work and having some sort of a vision of a pathway for scalability for a brewery like what you're doing now. Yeah. So, I mean, from a brewing standpoint, it's where everybody starts, you know, Robbie, yeah. Robbie worked at Northern Brewer in the homebrew shop for a long time before he went and started doing this professionally before I went to Siebel and, and got his degree in it and, and moved on to all that. Um, for me, it was, uh, I really enjoyed the recipe design of it. I love cooking too. So it was like, Oh, if you, if you tweak this one thing a little bit, what does it do to the flavor overall? Um, the actual process of brewing is a ton of cleaning and I was super not into that part of it. Like mm -hmm. I did it and I did it well. I won some medals along the way, but Tom just went like through the chart on, on the brewing side of it. And I always, of course, enjoyed the uh, the consumption of it. It was always good, but um, everyone's yeah, favorite part. I think it's good. I think one thing it does it helps you understand the role of ingredients in all of this, you know. Yes. Um, and the balance of everything. But I think one of the most important things to learn, which I think homebrewing helped me with a lot, is like understanding your palate and how it affects things. Um, I I'm super sensitive to grassy. Um, 
some people are really sensitive to sulfur in beer. Some people are super sensitive to diacetyl, which is like a buttery popcorn yeah. uh, flavor to it. Um, grass is one for me. If I drink too fresh of an IPA, I won't enjoy it. I can be like, this is incredibly fresh and probably very tasty, but you put two weeks on this and I'm going to love it. Um, for this beer in specific, you know, everybody gets a lot of grapefruit on it. I, I get a little bit of that more than anything else. I get white pepper, which I've learned mm. is like what I receive from, uh, from Centennial hops. So if, if I'm drinking a beer and I'm like white pepper, I was like, there's a hundred percent Centennial hops in here. Um, Summit Hops, which Indeed uses a ton of, they are all onion for me. It's just the 100% onion. So I, I like those guys. I, I think they make really well-made beers, but when there's too much Summit Hop, I just can't do it. Like I, I just, I'll have a little bit of it and go, yep, this is really well-made. And I do not want another sip of it because I am just all onion right now, all garlic. Um, and that's, that's on me. That, that's my loss, not on anybody else's. No, it's super interesting. I love hearing people talk about their, like their palates, like, especially when it comes to beer, just because I think it's fascinating how much, how different and how vast they can be. Mm -hmm. And it's, it's no different than food. You know, you always hear the people that are like, uh, you know, in a kitchen, like, oh, I don't like cilantro because it tastes like soap to me, you know, and they're just, there are certain ingredients of the world that, uh, you know, they, they're going to have off-putting flavors to some people and other people are going to love them. But, uh, Again, it goes back to there being a little something for everybody. So yeah, and, and that if to, to finish answering the question, it's like yeah, that's a thing I appreciate about what I learned in home brewing and specifically homebrew judging was exactly what I was talking about with the, with these people. Listen, just because you don't like it doesn't mean it's not a good beer, right? Right. If it like there's always those uh, untapped reviews that you see for breweries that are like one star. I don't like IPAs, which first of all, everybody's like, well, why did you order it then? If you don't yeah. like it, what do you do? Like, are you trying to and prove something about it? Yeah. But it's just like, I don't like IPAs. Well, that doesn't matter if you're doing this honestly, mm. but people use, people use different things for different reasons. You know, some people are like, I just need to remember that I don't like this beer and that's how they use untapped versus other people are like performative with their use of untapped. They're like, I am an authority on what is good and what is not. And Therefore, I need to say what, what is good and what is not on my untapped because other people will see it. Sure. I can't stand untapped for too long because I just start getting angry at some of the misspelled bad reviews that are on there. It's just like, ah. Yeah. We use it, um, A, just to like keep an eye on things. So if we That's see fair. a beer out in the market, just start getting consistently bad. You know, the, uh, the occasional person that's like, oh, I don't like IPAs. That's, that's a thing that happens sometimes. Mm -hmm. If we start seeing a beer register at like three, two consistently, then mm -hmm. we go, okay, what's wrong with this beer? We go taste it uh, in our tap room, see if it holds up to our standards at that point. And then we'll actually go to that account because sometimes it might just be that they have lime juice, you know, like they haven't cleaned their lines since I started drinking and it's, you know, it, they're, they're gross, they're gross lines. And we just say, okay, like we're really not going to sell to these people anymore unless they, unless they let us come clean their lines. So. No, that makes sense. Yeah. Even if, if, sorry. No, I was gonna say that, that that's really important because obvious for obvious reasons, you're not getting a true representation of the beer and all the hard work and passion that went into the beer. And now if that person has, you know, let's say if it was tainted from the lions, then that person's not likely to come and buy that, buy, buy that beer from your tap room now, or, you know, tell their friends about it too. It's why we don't do growlers. Yeah, it's fair. So we only do crowlers. And then we also have a membership club called the hefty handle, 
which we will sell you a drink tanks, uh, stainless steel growler, and you can fill it for the price of a crowler. So you get over two and a half times the beer. But the number of people that are willing to spend $225 on an annual membership for that are limited. So we don't have a Friday afternoon where people are coming in with a hundred uh, growlers to get us to fill while we're getting you know, completely taken advantage of by the, by the people that want our beer, which we have a staff that can handle that. Mm-hmm. But if somebody buys a, a crowler, or sorry, a growler, that they didn't do a good job of cleaning and our staff didn't have time to clean as thoroughly as we normally would, then they have a beer, they let it sit in there for three months and it gets infected. They go, wow, falling knife beer sucks. They don't go, I've never been able to clean a growler to the standards of things. So we know what goes into those crawlers. Mm -hmm. We suggest people bring them quickly. And then after that, you know, it's beyond there. So that's, that's part of the reason for it. Like I'm not going to do Tom, and Robbie and Charles and Harrison here a disservice by having a bad vessel um, make somebody not appreciate how much work went into that beer. That's a that's a great route to take, and it, we really try not to plug Bald Man too much on this show. But one of the things that I think we excel at is when we do our growlers, they're all pre-filled and pre-cleaned, done all in the back. We won't take any growlers from outside in mm-hmm. because we don't trust people to do their due diligence and clean that growler the way it should be cleaned so we can put our beer in it. Yeah. And then it comes back and you got to still figure out who's going to go do the caustic cycle and clean the hell yeah. out of the thing in the first place. So that's just, it's just an, an element of this that we, that we did, didn't want to do. Um, yeah. And we were like, Hey, crawlers will be good enough. You know, people are going to want a crawler of our beer and we're, and we're grateful for that, but we just mm-hmm. didn't want to make another thing more, difficult for us plus also you know we had a canning line from day one so we knew that there was going to be other packaging options for there but we still get a couple of emails a week that say like hey do you guys have a, a, a you know a glass growler i can add to my collection and it's like no i'm sorry we don't you know I, I think it's a cool stance to take especially i mean i think it makes deciding to go just crowlers makes you more accessible in the sense that you can buy them off-site you know yeah. I can go to Ambibulous and, and find Falling Knife the way I did, where you're not going to be able to go there and buy like a 64 ounce jug of something. Also no. bite, they're more bite sized. They're easy to like take in instead of having four pints of a beer, you know? It's perfect if it's, you know, something I love to sit back and enjoy, or it's, you know, if it's something real heavy to sit back and enjoy with another person. But I really, I really like that size. So I think you guys are doing it the right way. Um, it's also overall like we you know we did plenty of market research and growlers in in mass in total are are like declining people want just a 750 milliliter or in any other state to be a 32 ounce growler but they want that and they want to have pints and they, they want to do that so it was just a, an, an active decision that we made not to have that right seems on. like it's working out for you i, I think so far so well yeah well, Dan, give us a kind of an abbreviated version on how you came from, because you mentioned Arizona earlier. So how you came from, you know, drinking Bud Light in, uh, you know, a bar in Arizona to, uh, you know, having some some stakes in, in Falling Knife Brewing. Yeah, so I'm, um, I'm from here. Okay. Uh, I grew up in a small southwestern suburb of Minneapolis called Edina, but I'm sure. not way. Small, um, <laughs> small suburb. Yeah, it's uh, the land of Adam Banks from Mighty Ducks. Uh, <laughs> so I grew up here, um, and then 
one of the things for me for college was I wanted to go get away from here, not for any specific reason. Like I, I had a, a nice upbringing. My parents are wonderful. There's nothing to that, but it was just a, um, to me, college was like a soft landing to adulthood. You know, you, you get a little coverage for the bad decisions you make because you're in college. Um, so I was privileged enough to be able to go to Arizona State. Um, and I have a degree in philosophy with a specialization in biomedical ethics. And then I got done with that and I decided I didn't really want to do that. But if you ever want to talk about like the future implications of artificial intelligence, I can go forever on that. Um, that would be, yeah. that could be a whole other podcast. Ex Machina is leaving Netflix. And if you guys haven't watched it, it's one of the best movies I've seen in my entire life. So fantastic. Yeah. Um, so is that the animated or the live action version? No, that's no, a live action. Live action yeah. Written by Alex Garland, who, um, who wrote like 28 Days Later and originally okay. The Beach and all that. It, it's an awesome movie. Um, Oscar Isaac is in it. So anyway, um, so stuck around Arizona for a little bit because I was, you know, 23, 24, and it's a nice place to be from 18 to 23, 24. And then I uh, came back here and started working. Um, you know, I had a whole nine to five life. I worked from things like uh, mergers and acquisitions, buy side market due diligence up through... I was the VP of sales and marketing for a tech company out of Denver that did event registration called Easy Register. Uh, and then throughout all of that, you know, me, Tom, and Andy have been friends through the music scene for a long time. Uh, like I said, Tom was in Zebulon Pike and uh, Self Evident, or it, and now is still in Self Evident. Uh, and then Andy is in a sludge metal band called Earth Rise. Um, so I, we've gone to all these shows and it was, beer was a part of all these shows and we formed a friendship over that and basketball. And then, um, you know, we were like, oh man, you know, like Tom, you're a great brewer, you know, Dan, you've got this expertise, Andy, you've got this expertise, you know, we should talk about opening a brewery. And then over the course of years, it was like, yeah, you know, like, wouldn't it be cool to do this? And wouldn't it be cool to do that? And wouldn't it be cool to do this? And then, you know, finally, at the end of the day, we work with Bevcraft, who is the uh, brewery consulting group out of uh, Duluth, the Twin Ports Superior, uh, Wisconsin. They own uh, Earthrider as well. Okay. Um, and we were like, oh, right, we are serving brewery. Like when we signed that contract, it was like, oh, right, this is a real thing now. Um, so we looked at a bunch of locations. Um, we ended up being able to take over uh the spot that we're in now acquired the assets of a brewery that went out of business here in town. Uh, and then uh, we spent a year and a half making it our own, uh, expanding the system. You know, they only had three fermenters. We have five 20 barrel fermenters and two 40 barrel fermenters. We installed a centrifuge, which is something that a brewery of our size has no like reason to have other than it was a quality of product thing. It helps us increase our yield per batch. Um, but we have a canning line. We built a giant cooler. Uh, that you saw yesterday, um, and then we, you know, we we made the tap room the bar that I wanted it to be uh, with my fine dining background. Um, the, you know, I worked at Tilia for the better part of ten years, um, and Kincaid's before that. I was a training server for them uh, and PF Chang's as well. You know, so there's a there's a whole hospital hospitality side of me that that I was like, all right, now I can do this my way. And that's why we do things like table service. Um, that's why the layout of our, our space is the way that it is with, you know, a private room in the back, but we've got TVs back there. So if you want to come watch, uh, you know, a, a twins game, uh, which I think they're playing right now, um, 
you know, or if you want to come play pinball, you can have that. But then we also have the main tap room, which has no TVs. That's our communal space. You know, I, I refer to a lot of uh, a third space. So you've got your home, you've got your job, and where do you go other than that? And we wanted to create a place where people can go hang out with their friends, um, go do business, go do whatever they want. We want to be able to create a space for people to get the experience they want out of Falling Knife without it seeming tacked on. You know, there's, there's, there's bars in the world that are like, you go into this space and then you go into this space and they're wildly different. There's no like thread through them. We wanted it all to make sense as a, as an experience. So. That's so cool. I love that. That's, it's a very cool journey. It's uh, super interesting to hear about all these, these jobs you've had uh, getting to where you are today. And, you know, I, I'm, I'm a firm believer that having those, you know, jobs along the way, whether that's a mundane nine to five that you don't like or a weird third shift, it's, it, it makes you more well-rounded and worldly at the end of the day. So picking up skills. 100%. I think the biggest thing I took from that is I am stoked to go visit the tap room of Falling Knife now. That's, uh, that was the best intro primer I could ever have to want to go visit a brewery in my entire life. I agree, yeah. Come on in. Let me know when. I mean, we're doing reservations now. We, we uh, like I said earlier, you know, we, we, take, we take the coronavirus very seriously. Um, Staff wears masks the entire time. We ask what you can do if you're moving around. Mm -hmm. uh, we expanded our patio. We actually removed tables from our tap room so that people don't have a place to go be a, a jerk about things. They can just, um, you know, if you're at your table, you're at your table and there isn't another place for you to just kind of like go wander around. Um, we sanitize everything. We wash our hands after we touch any dirty glass and probably a couple times in between. Um, yeah, so I mean, like we take it very seriously. Again, I, I want people to come there and be able to feel like welcome in the first place, but also like as though they can relax a little bit. Right, right. We all use right now. Our brains are totally fried. Everybody's brains are totally fried. I was reading an article about that. Like, it, we're like all on we're on summer stupid just because of how much stress we're all under. It's so true. Summer's just like evaporated. But I'm happy to hear you're taking the the extra cleaning precautions, and I'm also really happy that. Falling Knife is like 10 minutes away from my house. So I know I'm most definitely going to be, uh, be spending some time over there. For sure. Um, but Dan, bringing it back to what we got right in front of us, I'm just finishing off my last little bit of Bell's Two-Hearted, which was a real treat. Um, yeah, American IPA, perfectly balanced American <laughs> IPA brewed with 100% Centennial hops and bursting with aromas ranging from pine to grapefruit. Are you guys able to think about your path or at least the beer that like broke it open for you that you, I mean, I know that Eric, you, you said it was this for you when you were working at Liquor Barrel Golden Valley, which is like 10 minutes from my house. I, I live over basically at Highway 100 and Highway 55. Um, oh, nice. Very cool. So yeah, yeah. Liquor Barrel is my, my, uh, my local, uh, local liquor store, but like, you ever go to, that, like, uh, you ever go to Milton's? I do. I love Milton's. Uh, Schuler's is a, a bike path away from me, so I go there plenty too. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah, know that area well, but yep. sorry. Um, yeah. Uh, like, what, what was the beer that broke it open for you? Like, what was the, your Sierra Nevada or this or your Sam Adams Boston Lager for me? Like, what was yeah. the thing that made you go? Um, you know, I think like the first uh, just like domestic beer that I ever uh, tried and enjoyed, and I, I told him the story one time, but it was a uh, being at my uncle's house in Quincy, California, and I was probably like 16 years old, and he uh, he works for a community college. He's an outward bound instructor. Awesome. And uh, so one night we rode mountain bikes to the store, and we're figuring out like uh, 
you know, what we were going to make for dinner and we decided on beer butt chicken. And I was only like 15 or 16 at the time. And I remember getting a, a 12 pack of, of PBR is what he bought. And, you know, you literally spice the, you know, dry rub the, the chicken and the bird and load the can with herbs and stick it on there and put it on the grill. And uh, so that was like the first time I remember trying a beer, enjoying it and having a really cool experience surrounding it. Um, but yeah, I think Summit EPA was probably the beer that real kicked in the, kicked in the door for my, my craft beer experience. Yeah. And in Minnesota, that's a major one. Like, yeah, it, it's the Sam Adams Boston Lager of here. Everybody has it. Everybody has it on tap at some point in their life. For sure. I think for me, I really had a, a, a shitty introduction to craft beer because my first craft beer I had, as I was saying earlier, was Summit Saga, and I absolutely hated that beer and decided from that it was going to be a hardliner, like domestic beer only. I was drinking like Bud Light Platinum was when I was drinking fancy. <laughs> And uh, after that, I went to school at University of Minnesota Duluth. So having bent paddle right there, naturally, I just like, oh, well, this, this sounds pretty solid. So I remember trying bent paddle black and still to this day, that beer has the most special place in my heart for me. That, that beer is absolutely phenomenal. Yeah. Also speaking of a place that makes like a world-class Pilsner, holy God. Yeah. And double shot, double black. I mean, that's, I wouldn't want that on a desert island, but that beer, I, I have too many bottles of it in my cellar that I just never, <laughs> never actually go back to. I was actually, I was just able to try uh, their 2019 when they released it this year because our, our tapper manager is a huge fan of double shot, double black. And she showed me that beer and that is phenomenal. That's, that's up there in my top 10, I'd say. They do some really good stuff. I was just up at Bent Paddle like two weeks ago, right when I hit Ursa Minor, and they actually had their Bent Hop IPA on Nitro. Yeah. And Interesting. That was real tasty. Yeah. But, uh, uh, yeah, when I go up there, we hit them. We hit uh, Hoops, which I love. Nice. And then, obviously, Earthrider. Go over to the Cedar Lounge, talk to those guys. Heck, yeah. There's so many great places up there to hit. But, yeah, those – all good choices. I still need to make it into Hoops and Earthrider, but they're on the list. I will get there eventually. Yeah. Well, let me know when you get up to Earthrider. I'll I'll, uh, I'll send a word along. But uh, also, our, uh, like, I'm so sad that there's no All Pines North on Saturday. That was one of my favorite festivals of all time. Yeah. Yeah. I think I had the pleasure of making that one last year. It was one of the events I was able to work. You were working it. Yeah. Nice. It would have been nice to do all the events this year, like the Dabbler. That, oh that yeah, been phenomenal to make. Yeah, I got to do the winter and summer last year, and that was a blast doing the fairgrounds and CHS. But you know, it's for the best. You know, we got to be uh, COVID conscious in these times, and you know, that's just that the state fair sporting events with thirty thousand people—they're just not realistic things right now. And if we want to keep our people healthy and be able to keep these brands alive in the future, um, you know we got to make sure we take care of our staff and patrons right now, which it sounds like you guys are doing a great job. How can you hand a glass to somebody that you drank out of and have them be safe with it? Like there's, there's right. no, we're not, we're not doing festivals for a while here. And, and I agree, like I love them, but it's not worth it right now. It's, it's super not worth it right now to have that as for part sure. of it. Well, let's, uh, let's bring it back to what we got in front of us here. We got the, uh, the bells too hearted. What are we giving it on uh, the old five star scale, Dustin? For me, I think this goes back to 
talking about personal tastes and enjoying things. Um, this is solid. This is really solid. Um, I think I would only be able to have one or two of them. And then after that, I'd have to switch to something else. This isn't, uh, this isn't like the, the Omni Lime goes. That's another coveted one with me. It's not an all day beer. I'm gonna go ahead, give this a 3.9. This is solid. 3.9. All right, that's fair. Um, mine's gonna be a little higher than that just because as I kind of said at the beginning, you know, when I started working at a beer, or a, excuse me, a liquor store that really gave me access to a lot of craft beer, this was definitely one of the first ones that I, I, I sought out. Um, and it still holds a special place in my heart. So for that reason, I'm going to give Bell's Too Hard at a 4.8. I love this beer. And I'm really, I'm really happy you, you chose this because that's the great thing about this show. It allows me to revisit old favorites as well as try things that are brand new. So yeah, awesome. Yeah. Uh, so for me, I'm right there with you. Um, I would also give this a four eight. Um, I understand what you're saying. Like, you know, this was a of a time, right? There's a uh, a little bit of caramel malt to it, which creates a little bit of sweetness. So as it warms, it just gets a little bit sweeter and a little bit less bitter, and kind of like goes towards that realm of it. Um, but this is like a, a this I, I will crush the hell out of this beer forever until I, I really can't stand at that point at the end of it. Um, I also, when I went to that Bell's uh, 30th birthday party, this is a amped up version of the original homebrew recipe. So the original homebrew version of this beer is a five percenter and they call it uh, two hearted 5.0. Uh, it's a, what do they call it? They call it I they, they might just call it like original recipe, but I had that in their tap room and I was like, holy shit. Like this is also excellent. It's just like this beautiful expression of it, like 2% alcohol down. And uh, and it was just like, I'll, I'll just kill the hell out of this. Um, but yeah, shout out to Andy Heater, who's a, the local Bells rep, uh, Chris Freeman, who is the regional Bells rep. And then my boy, Chad Chase, who's the Wisconsin rep. Love it. Shout outs always encouraged. Thanks guys for, uh, you know, allowing me to buy this at the store just a few blocks away. I appreciate it. Always a treat. Um, well, hey, man, I know that we only have you for a certain amount of time tonight. I don't want to put you on a super big time crunch. I'm fair game, man. Let's, let's fair keep game. going. Cool. Well, uh, let's do this. Let's take one quick little break before we go, and then we will come back with three fast fire questions and drink one last falling knife beer. Let's do it. Welcome back to Suds Buds. We're here again with Dan Herman today from Falling Knife. And to round out the show, we're finishing off with the Verbal Tip Hazy IPA. New England IPA with Citra and Mosaic Hops coming in at 7.3% ABV. Uh, before I proceed further, I just want to make sure I got your review correct from the last segment. Were we in agreement at a 4.8 or did you go with a, a higher notch? Uh, I went with 4.8 because it's not made by us. Otherwise, I would <laughs> <laughs> love it love it i love the honesty a little bit of foreshadowing for this next yeah. score i think yeah <laughs> let's dive in i'm excited i'm really excited i haven't had a good hazy feels like forever now oh already digging the color on this exactly what i was expecting what i was hoping for just 
that cloudy cloudy goodness yeah my, my room just started smelling better and i shower right before we got on on the podcast i started feeling better oh it smells delightful yeah it does well cheers guys cheers yeah also uh yeah I, I am drinking out of a ham's chalice i have two of them so there you go i love it we might get to that question in a little bit here but the first question i've got for you dan is uh well, we kind of already hashed this out, but it's we try to ask all of our guests what's their favorite beer memory or Minnesota beer memory. But you kind of, you know, told us what was up with the the Bud Light. So um, yeah, I mean, if we're talking about you know, the like if we're favorite Falling Knife beer memory at this point was the opening day where we just got completely crushed for ten hours, and like. like Jimmy Berg, shout out to one of my taproom dudes. Uh, he was in the South Tower. So we have two different wells. Uh, each are redundant. So we technically have 32 lines, but it's 16 beers and 16 beers. So if we get busy, a keg blows, you don't have to pour off of that. You can go to the other tower. Or if we're like really busy, then each person has their own terminal and their own station where they can pour beers and they have specific people that report to that terminal for their beers. Um, but Jimmy for the better part of 11 hours just didn't get to look up and like our, our 60 second dishwasher couldn't keep up. So I was literally behind him with a tri-comp sink, just washing glasses as he was yelling sizes of glasses out to me uh, so that we would have enough for it. That was really like fun uh, as like disgusting as that sounds. That's like, I don't know. I love, I love it. I'm like, yep. I looked up at one point, there was a line going from my section, uh, out to the parking lot. And then I looked to my right where Mike Knox, who was my general manager at Tilia and works in the tap room uh, now is. And uh, there was a line that was on his corner that went around the tap room and met up with the other line to go out into the tap room. And I was just like sitting there washing glasses like, wow, we are fucked. Like completely <laughs> fucked. Like we weren't gonna go any faster. We couldn't, but it was just, it was just funny. And like, after 11 hours, Jimmy was like, hey, man, can I go lay down in the cooler for a while? And I was like, yeah, yeah, you can. Sounds good. So that was, that was like one of my favorite memories of Falling Knife. But overall, Minnesota stuff, I mean, like there's so many of them. Drinking at McKenzie at 10th and Hennepin, um, you know, getting to, to do our world tours, um, festivals, you know, All Pines North where I was uh, – Theoretically, somebody that looks like me was given two edibles and was too high to talk uh, and had to figure out a way to communicate with everybody that was coming uh, up to me asking for beer. And my solution was to like point at one tap handle, point at the other tap handle, and then make a shrug, like, what do you want? Um, I love you for that. Yeah, I mean, it was... And I was there by myself for the first like 45 minutes and I was like, oh man, this is real bad. Like, I, I can't talk. I, I like... There's a lot of going in here, but I just can't do this. Um, so uh, don't take edibles from random people. Uh, I learned that. <laughs> sorry, mom. If, sorry, mom, if you listen to this. Um, Valuable lessons for, for the youngsters out there, or, yeah. or anyone listening, rather. But yeah, uh, love it, man. That's great. That's big. Fear's been an important part of my life. I mean, obviously, I own a brewery. That's, that's so it should be a part of it, but. Beer's been an important part of my life from a social standpoint. You know, my friends love beer and I love my friends. And that's just kind of like what we glommed onto at times. So nice. That's so cool. Well, speaking of your friends, Dan, 
is there one beer to this day that they will still give you shit about drinking, but it's just, you have to keep drinking it. It is a guilty pleasure beer, if you could call it that. Ooh. Um, Maybe you'll try to hide it like a double koozie. <laughs> no, I think I would probably go the opposite way, knowing me and my personality. I kind of be like, fuck you. This is my favorite beer, you know? Just uh, it. There you go. For, fortunately, my friends also like hams. Um, I guess it's more not my friends that are like oh you guys like hams and i'm like yeah yeah we do and so does everybody else in the industry you know um i am a huge i mean this is like the weakest interview answer like what's your what's your worst attribute uh, i'm too dedicated to my job but yeah. like um i will i will accidentally overconsume barrel aged barley wines anytime that they are put in front of me um I'm, uh, I, I do uh, a standing Zoom call with some of my friends uh, during the current time. Uh, and I was like, I couldn't decide between Old Blaggard, which I have in my cellar, and Central Waters Bourbon Barrel Barley Wine. Oh, uh, that's a fantastic beer. It's, they do some of the best stuff. Um, but I, my decision, because I couldn't decide, was to blend them. Um, okay. Yeah, that went, that went sideways on me. Uh, okay, I was going to say and. <laughs> yeah. It, uh, Saturday wasn't very fun, but uh, I had a great time. It was awesome. Hell in yeah. the moment. <laughs> in yeah. the moment, yeah, I love it. Well, that's great. Well, if anyone's got those two sitting around, which I feel like there's not a ton that do, uh, maybe give that a go and see where the night takes you. But Yeah, yeah, yeah no no doubt. No, I don't. My recommendation is don't. <laughs> I'm, I'm a seasoned professional. Uh, don't do this uh, to yourself. Lots of advice on this one. I love it. Um, so one final little speed round question here. Um, when you're not working with beer, when you're not assisting in daily operations at Falling Knife, what are you doing? What, what kind of makes you tick? What do you enjoy? Yeah, so uh, I got married in January. So I spend as much time with my wife as I can. When I'm Congrats. Not... Congrats. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Also, uh, uh, everybody that told us that January was a terrible time to get married. Uh, if we tried to get married in June, it wouldn't have happened. Uh, hey. so... So go with that. Um, so we do that. I, uh, you know, I, I own a house, so there's a lot of, you know, my mid thirties being mowing lawns and fixing things and, and doing all of that. Um, but I play pinball competitively. Um, kind of cool. Yeah. So me and a couple of my friends are part of a team league called pinball twin cities, um, which we've won four of the seven years that it's gone on or seven seasons uh the seventh season got postponed uh because we were we were like three weeks away from from being done with the season before it shut down um so i think that season's just going to be a lost season we're not going to bubble in orlando and uh and figure out how to play the rest of the season but uh yeah i play a lot of pinball i bike a lot um i read you know i, I do all the lame you know mid-30s bullshit that everybody else does but it's uh it's nice it's a good life i love it i have a good life i'm very grateful for what i live welcome to being an adult i suppose i'm still yeah. like tiptoeing on the line on it if i want to become an adult yet or not <laughs> uh, i just i just crossed demographics man i just hit 36 in april so i'm i am now officially in the 36 to 45 <laughs> <laughs> embrace it man i mean the pinball oh. thing that's that's super interesting to me that's that's really cool Getting older uh, is better than the alternative. Yes, yes. Amen to that. But uh, hey, so 
verbal tip from your folks over at Falling Knife. Real tasty. I'm enjoying every sip of this. Um, on the nose, I was picking up like a lot of pineapple um, or, or just kind of like tropical, tropical fruit scents and almost just kind of like a, a tinge of orange or just like for sure citrus there, but almost getting a little bit of orange on the finish. My um, mind went orange juice and grapefruit immediately. Yeah. There you go. Mine is, uh, I get passion fruit and, uh, and citrus. Nondescript citrus, but citrus. No, I it's delightful. Not. Yeah, this, yeah, I'm digging this. This this would be a reorder in the tap room for sure. Awesome. Oh, Thank you. Yeah, it's one of those things where it's really nice because, you know, Hazy's, um, it's a place where we really let the centrifuge shine a bit on top of recipe development. So sometimes Hazy's have that, if you get a can that's from the latter part of a, a canning run, um, you can get a little bit of hot burn or again, my, my particular palette for grassiness, um, you can get that in there as well. Um, but we, we spin all that out, we reclaim some of the beer um, and I think it just makes like a, a smoother, better drinking experience when you can actually huge uh, a hazy. For sure. And this isn't a, like as aggressive and abrasive on the palate. Like I have known some other hazy IPAs to be, this is striking a nice, a nice line there where I feel like I could drink something after this and actually be able to taste it. Yeah. Yeah. By, by design. I mean, you know, we want a little bit of bitterness to like, tighten it up it's like salt right um and when you add the food you know if it's too if it lacks salt then it, it it's you know a it lacks flavor in a lot of ways but also it, it uh it just doesn't tighten up the dish very well um but bitterness will do that a little bit here um but you can also just like get the the, the whirlpool and the dry hop off of uh, the citron mosaic which is really really awesome no this is this is delightful i'm i'm super happy you uh you gave us one of these. This is a treat, oh, yeah. man. I have to keep my eyes peeled for it in the stores. Um, it's definitely climbed its way to the top of my uh, my hazy radar. So yeah, and if, if you guys dig the pineapple element of this, uh, we also have Hidden Temple, which is also one of our like persistent hazies in the tap room. It will end up in a can in the future. Nice, uh, Azica and El Dorado, and it's much more pineapple-y. It's it's super super tropical on that. Very cool. And then uh, the name on this, so Verbal Tip, this is again one of my names. Um, you know, it's a, if you haven't been in the service industry, um, it's, it's, it might be foreign, but it's the idea that somebody just says you did a great job and then gives you 10%. Oh. And it's like, cool, my landlord uh, takes Verbal Tips as a, as a rent payment. Right. Uh, and also, you know, the, the crown uh, that's on the can for, for uh, this and also on our taproom signs. Uh, it's a little homage to, to Biggie, you know, on the on the verbal tip being, oh, you know, our yeah. rap. That's awesome, With I love the, that. The crown to the side. We just yeah. had uh, uh, Julian Pelkey, a brewer from Tin Whiskers on a few weeks ago and they brewed a dope bot IPA which paid homage to uh, the chronic uh, uh, Dr. Dre. So we got a little East Coast, West Coast hip hop on the show, which I think is is wonderful. I love it. Also, also again, if I'm going to shout people out, shout out to Mike Williford and uh, Patrick Carafel. You know, Carafel is one of my favorite people in the world. That's awesome, man. It's, yeah, it's cool the people you meet in this world. One little random tidbit that I just thought of. I'm so stoked that the people your age now, Dan, are running shit because their likes and like, culturally the stuff that they enjoy aligns with 
what I like to do. And it's hundred percent. That's what's nice to start seeing. Yeah. I mean, not to sound like Macklemore, but like enter the Wu-Tang is one of the most influential albums of my entire life. You know, I, I heard it when I was nine and yep. I was like, Holy shit. What the hell is happening right now? Oh yeah. That that's a, uh, I love listening to that album, especially on runs. I'll just press start on track one and just let it run. Yeah, it's, it's for the, the jukebox. So, you know, we aren't using the jukebox right now because of COVID, but we, we do have a curated jukebox in the tap room where each of the owners, I think, has 23-ish picks, and then everybody on staff gets a tap room pick or a, a jukebox pick so that, you know, really it's a it's an amalgamation of what matters to us. Mat music matters to us. Um, so what, what music matters to you is a, a big thing for us. And you know, we've got everything from Trampled by Turtles to there through Yob, you know, nine minute long, sludgy, uh, loud, angry stuff that some of the staff hates. And then, uh, you know, sometimes you get into some of the, the Halsley and, and, and those kinds of things. And I'm like, I, I don't really get it. Yeah. I, mean, I understand that I also have a Carly Rae Jepsen album in there because that and that album fucking rules but <laughs> it's everybody's individual taste for it so uh, but I think, I think that's important you you go there and again you you get the experience you want you know somebody will hear Joyce Banner you know I was talking to you guys as producer about Joyce Banner but like if 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 he if, if Sam uh was in the tap room and uh falling in love again came on he'd be like <laughs> right what the fuck just happened and it captures and, like, people yeah, exactly. I mean, music's so important for that. And, um, you know, it, 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 I know it's fun. It's just fun. It's also like when we did the draft, we actually did like a, a snake draft like you would in fantasy football amongst the owners for it. And uh, there were some shenanigans uh, that will forever go down as uh, we'll never talk about it again. But uh, uh, we, uh, we ended up with a really awesome playlist that like represents us, which is cool. That's amazing. I'm Really glad you brought that up because we're de definitely going to let you uh, put a little bit of your own flavor on this episode. We oh, try yeah. to pick a different uh, closing tune for each episode. So we'll leave it as a surprise for the listeners. But once we uh, cut record, uh, we'll, we'll let you we'll track on there. Yeah, I, I hope everybody likes Carly Rae Jepsen. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> Spoilers. I love it, man. That's great. Um, yeah, it. that's cool. I just love the approach you guys have taken towards your tap room and making it a place that uh isn't just a place where you can walk up you know belly up at a bar and order a beer but it's somewhere you want to hang out and bring your friends and your family and meet new people and you know it, it, find out what the bartenders enjoy because that's another huge thing for me when i run into like a charismatic bartender uh beer tender at at a establishment it makes me want to support that product all the more because it's like that's the first person you interact with before the juice even hits your lips, you know? Yeah, yeah. So, you know. Oh, it, it completely makes or breaks an experience. You know, you guys are talking about how, you know, most people that go to tap rooms have a good time. Sometimes I go to tap rooms and I, and I love the beer and I will not go back because I had such terrible service. And that's, that's like a true to my heart part of service. You can have the best product in the world and it is delivered by the worst human being. And you're like, I'm good. I'm never going back. I don't care how good this is. And you can have a place where the, the product is good, but not great. And the people that were there made you feel so welcome. You know, I've had some of my worst days in my life and I went to a bar and somebody was like, hey man, are you okay? And I was just like, no. And they were like, great, let me go make this round of drinks and then I'll be right back. 
and let's talk through this. And it's like, oh, you know, I'm, I'm getting divorced. And they're like, oh man, I'm on my third marriage, you know, like whatever, don't worry about it. And I was like, oh, that's a paradigm shift, right? Um, and that matters. And then also like, I've had really awesome dates, you know, like anniversary dates or whatever. And you go somewhere and I won't name the restaurant because I don't talk shit on it, but like they forgot to sauce a pasta. Oh, and seven man. people looked at it. Seven people looked at that dish and go, there you go. Here's it for you. And I was like, wow, this is terrible. And I, you know, we left there and went to a different thing. And I was like, yeah, this is, I don't care that this food isn't as good. It's people who care, they give a shit. So it's a thing that our staff does an amazing job of. And, and all you can do is hire people that give a shit about the same things that you do when you do the situation. And they just, they've run with it and they've made it better than I ever would have. Everything that I'm not a great service industry person about, my staff is better than I, than I am about that. And they make each other better. They push each other to be better. And I'm in love with and wildly fascinated by how incredible these people are and why they continue to come work for us. <laughs> That's awesome, man. That makes me so happy to hear you say that. Yeah, all the more reason that makes me want to go out there and check this place out. First, we had the overall look and feel of the tap room. Now we got the bartenders. Man, we're making friends. <laughs> and we do table service. So, like, go sit down. They'll be there. You know, you know, on, on Saturday, it was, like, 105 heat index. And the staff was like, yep, sounds great. Let's go do this. And then you don't have to get up and walk through there. That's part of the reason we do table service is because I've been to tap rooms where it's super busy. And, like, I get my beer and I think to myself, I should just get back in line because I want another beer in the next 20 minutes, you know? Right. Yeah. Um, so it's super easy for us to just like show up at the table. We're like, Hey man, you're running low. Do you want another one? And then they aren't working through a line and, and we call it good. No, that's cool. And I think that's definitely going to help set you guys apart because there's not a lot of places doing table service, especially not, I don't think a lot of uh, uh, smaller, rather newer tap rooms, you know, no. it's, it's just, you, you see the common order here sign and, you know, form a single file line that runs to the door and, that just kind of seems to be the norm, but uh, I think it will change with time, especially with the, the days of, of COVID and such. I, I don't think uh, having a line wrapped out into the parking lot with people, you know, on their phones a foot apart, I just don't think that's going to be oh, yeah. realistic. Nope, can't do it right now. Yeah, yeah we, we were uniquely ready for this in that way. You know, we, we had the staff that was ready to go take tables from day one. That's awesome. Well, uh, before we get out of here, it's been great having you today, by the way. This has been yeah, fantastic. I really enjoyed this. I've, uh, I've been on a couple of these. I've done a couple of these interviews, and you guys are, are really, really wonderful, really, really conversational. It's which Which well, we did. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Um, so the Verbal Tip Hazy IPA, uh, like I said, this is it, – it's climbing its way up my list of hazies. Um, it's a good one. Yeah, it's really nice refreshing um really dig the tropical fruits i think it's it's true to style um i'm gonna put it at i think i feel real comfortable giving it a 4.5 um i think and, and that's just above the the pilsner mm -hmm. that we had that we started off with but uh had a lot of pilsners lately haven't had a ton of hazies this summer I've no. been drinking a lot of uh, Bald Man's psychedelic, uh, psychedelic Haze, yep. um, which I love, but this is just a nice little <laughs> nice little change of pace, and I'm loving it. Yeah, I, would, I would have to agree, and I would have to say 
that my local favorite hazy should watch out because this one might be coming for it. Modest Dreamyard. Always that a one, solid. That's a coveted hazy, hazy for me. And I mean, this one's coming for its neck. So I think I'm going to give. I'm going to give Verbal Tip a 4.4. This was real good. I enjoyed that. I'm just going to shout out a couple of people right now, but like shout out to those modest dudes, Kale, uh, John, uh, Keegan, and Joe. They're all like amazing human beings. Dixon. Oh, yeah. Uh, awesome dudes I, we're honored to be like mentioned in, in the name of, of those kinds of people we stand on the shoulders of giants when we do this kind of stuff um and then yeah i mean it, it, i'm five stars on this one again you know it's uh I, I love this beer i i drink a lot of it uh as we go along and i never really get tired of it um shout out to also to obviously tom robbie uh Harrison and Charles for the people that actually make this beer and they make it fucking rad. You guys have some absolute fucking wizards, man. Wizards. Yeah, I, I we refer to Robbie as RFD, you know, Robbie fucking Denaway. Uh, <laughs> and he, he's a he's a he he is not a extroverted extrovert like me. So he, you know, we say that and he loves it, but he uh, he'll never refer to himself as that outside of like the owners and manager meetings uh and even then he will very very much not ever do it so shout out to robbie uh this was uh this was uh, his recipe he worked with with tom on dialing in but this was uh this was something that he was pushing forward for well i'm gonna call it a success because that was real delicious yes well i think that's about all the time we got tonight i know we kept you a little long so apologies for that but yeah, uh, all good man well my wife just got back from a bike ride so we're good beautiful well thanks for joining us this has been uh dan herman from falling knife be sure to go check them out in northeast minneapolis and uh if you can't make it to their tap room find them at a liquor store near you they just released uh two beverages that you can find four pack 16 ounce cans mm -hmm. so go to fallingknife.com to find out where you can snag those just dan, hit our social the, the website is uh in need of update but yeah social media you'll be able to see it it's a post from uh the 28th it's from today when we when we did it so is that on facebook instagram facebook instagram uh yep and then uh i might have posted it twitter if i didn't i will perfect we'll send people to everywhere so that'll work anything else you want to plug before we get out of here dan uh everything just take care of yourselves it sucks right now um if you aren't if you aren't looking out for you and what you can do to make yourself healthier and better, um, let me know and I, I can do what I can of it. I don't care if you're a complete stranger. Um, you don't get free beer for life because you're, you're upset about coronavirus, but you know, like uh, it, it's tough and give yourself the grace that you otherwise wouldn't right now. Wise words. Beautiful. Thanks, Dan. Uh, cheers. Drink responsibly and uh, catch us on the next episode of Suds Buds. Sounds good, dudes.